Okay, before I get into the word this morning, there's a short testimony of how God intervened in a girl's life when she came here uh, for a service and through a word God ministered to us. I'd like us to listen to this testimony and we will begin the word. Hi, my name is Rini. Um, I would struggle with hearing many voices in my head. These were really negative uh, thoughts that I would hear on a daily basis. The way I'd explain it is if you had a room full of people and each of them had an opinion and those opinions were very, very negative. They'd always hold me back in fear and um, it really distorted my daily living. It was a daily thing. I thought it was normal because I didn't really see a way out. Um, I got to a very low point in my life. Um, I kind of lost direction and I kind of lost hope and I also had to quit my job because of it. So I had been struggling with this for about nine years. It had become a daily ordeal and I had started to give up hope. One Sunday I decided to attend Adonai and that very Sunday pastor received a word and it was for those struggling with voices in their head uh, so much so that it would affect their Bible reading and their walk with God. Uh, pastor Victor asked those to come forward after service uh, and so I did. I started meeting with him during the week uh, and we mainly dealt with fear and crisis depression. So the way I dealt with fear really mattered and he explained how uh, it was wrong of me to uh, face my situation with fear and run and hide rather than run to God. So after repenting, he also dealt with crisis depression and he explained how Taking initiative really matters and the way I perceive my crisis really matters. So now after dealing with fear and crisis depression, there's a newfound sense of hope and joy. There's direction. I also got a new job. So I would encourage each of y'all to come every Sunday with expectation that God can do something for you like he did for me. God chooses a particular moment to step in and bring freedom. Now, I'm continuing the teaching on spiritual blindness. If you have not heard part one, I request you to get onto our website, uh, listen to part one uh, before you look at what part two and part three will be. Now, just to give you a recap, of what spiritual blindness is, here's the definition. Spiritual blindness is the inability to understand, perceive or grasp or comprehend spiritual truth. I'll read that again. Spiritual blindness is the inability to understand, perceive, grasp or comprehend spiritual truth. We also looked at the two kinds of blindness Jesus spoke about. One was physical blindness, and the other was spiritual blindness. So today we will look at 
why did Jesus tell his disciples, blessed are those who see with their spiritual eyes? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out his disciples to heal the sick and proclaim that the kingdom of God has come upon them. <coughs> when they returned, they were overjoyed and told Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus replied saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, implying that Jesus was aware, or Jesus even witnessed Satan's downfall, Satan's defeat. And then in verse 10, or verse, yeah, in verse 18, Jesus, in verse 18, Jesus said, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. But he also mentioned there specifically scorpions and serpents. Scorpions and serpents speak of demonic activity. And so Jesus was reminding them that their source of authority over demons came from him. And there was nothing for them to be fearful of, about. When you look at that verse, Jesus is drawing their attention saying, See, I have given you authority over serpents and scorpions, and nothing by any means will hurt you. Another translation, none of the full force of the enemy will hurt you. In verse 20, Jesus says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice in your name that your name stands written in heaven. When Jesus said this, he wanted them to know that the spiritual authority is established in heaven, the kingdom of darkness, and their names were written in the book of life. So not only did Jesus write their names in their book of life, but he also established a spiritual authority in the kingdom of darkness. On the same occasion, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was happy with their report happy with what they have experienced. He was rejoicing in the, he rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to little children, meaning little baby Christians, newborn Christians, little children, people who are childlike, can understand and and received this revelation that God gave to his disciples. Yes, Father, for this was your gracious will. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes, the eyes, not their eyes, the eyes that see what you see. The reason Jesus said, Blessed are the eyes, it meant, that this revelation and this understanding is available for all of us. But blessed are the eyes who are able to see things the way God sees it in understanding the spiritual realm of darkness and spiritual authority. He says, you're blessed. In verse 24, Jesus goes on to say, I tell you that many prophets and kings longed to see what you see but didn't see it and to hear what you hear but didn't hear it. There was this hidden mystery 
that was revealed only to the disciples at that time, while the other prophets, apostles, or people, they didn't get to know what Jesus uh, had in store for them. Jesus said to the disciples that they are blessed because they had insight, listen to the words, insight, concerning their spiritual authority. They had foresight because they knew what to expect when they went from town to town uh, preaching the gospel. And when Jesus narrated what actually happened while they were on the mission field, they had oversight of what their mission involved. Now, these three words are very significant words. And Jesus said they are blessed because they had, what's the first word? Insight. What's the first word? Can we say that loudly? What's the first word? Their eyes were opened and they had insight, then they had foresight, and then, can we say that a little more enthusiastically? First one, second, third, that's what happens to us when God opens our spiritual eyes. He gives us insight, gives us foresight where we are going, and also oversight of what our life is about. To describe this, there are three pictures you can keep in mind. Insight is like viewing something through a microscope. You can see the tiny details in a microscope. Foresight is like looking through a telescope. You can see at a distance. And oversight is like you being in a helicopter and seeing things happening uh, down there. So insight, foresight, and oversight. Now, only God can give us a 360 degree view or perspective of our life. No one else can. Only God. We see a good example of this in 2 Kings chapter 6. When the king of Syria wanted to invade Israel, but every time they came up with a plan, God would give Elisha insight of what the king of Syria wanted to do, and he would inform the king of Israel, and they will avoid the plots and the plans of the enemy. This kept happening over and over again, that the king of Syria got angry and frustrated because none of their plans succeeded over the nation of Israel. So what did he do? In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11 to 13, the king of Syria summoned his advisors and said, one of you must be helping the king of Israel. There must be a rat here. Someone who's telling the king of Israel all our plans. But the, but the advisors said, no, my king, the prophet Elisha, who lives in Israel, keeps telling the king of Israel the very things you say in your bedroom. Now that's how detailed God knows our lives. He knows the very things you're saying in private, even in your bedroom. He says, God knows exactly what we are thinking, what our motives are, and what we are planning to do. And he chooses to reveal whatever, whenever, and to whomever. His plans in order so that 
people can understand his perspective. So the king of Syria ordered them, go to Dothan and capture this guy, Elisha, uh, from where he's staying. So the king of Syria got horses and chariots and good-sized army and surrounded the city at night. Wanted to take hold of Elisha. He's the guy who's informing the king and, and spoiling our plans. When Elisha, the servant, got up, Elisha's servant got up and went outside, early in the morning, he saw the Syrian army surrounding the city, along with horses and chariots. So he said to Elisha, Oh no, my master, what shall we do? Why did he panic? Why did he be... Was, why was he fearful? He saw a whole army surrounding the city coming to capture Elisha. But Elisha replied, don't be afraid, for our side outnumbers them. And then what did Elisha do? He, can you say that loudly? What did Elisha do? What did he pray? Loudly, what did he pray? One more time, what did he pray? Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Elisha's servant was not physically blind, but he failed to have spiritual sight of what God wanted or even how he perceived the enemy. He lacked it. And today, if you're hit a crisis and you're feeling down and out, you can't see your way out, it's not because God doesn't have a plan. It's because your spiritual eyes are not yet open to see God's solution in the midst of your crisis. And somebody can shout an amen. We are so caught up in what we see in our physical, uh, with our physical eyes that we don't realize the solution to our problems is in the spiritual, spiritual realm or when our spiritual eyes are open. But we are too bogged down with what we see, what we hear, and what we feel that hinders us from our spiritual sight. And all that Elisha did, Lord, open his eyes. And then he changes his perspective. Listen to what I'm saying. Your spiritual sight will determine how you view your life and the circumstances around you. Look at what Elisha said. And, the, and when the Lord opened the servant's eyes, he saw that the hill was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So what happened? The horses and chariots of God were already there. He didn't see it. Ah, I'd like to talk to you this morning. You know what? The solution is there, but you can't see it. Just give a person next to you a friendly elbow. No, don't dig friendly elbow, and say, are you listening? Just do that. Are you listening? You see, the, pro, the solution is just there. It was front of him. But he didn't see it because his spiritual eyes were blind. He was blinded. And I want to say to you this morning, you're not too far from your, from, from your miracle. You're not too far from God's intervention. All you got to do is Say, what, what do you need to do? Lord, open my eyes to see. There is no temptation too great that God cannot take you through. 
and He makes a way possible. We've got to see what God has in mind. From the story we see, Elisha not only had insight into what the king of Syria planned, but he also had foresight to warn the king of what the Syrian army planned to, how they planned to attack. And when the Syrian army came to capture Elisha, he wasn't afraid because he had oversight of how the army would be defeated. And you go back and read the story. He knew exactly that this army would be there and how he could capture. One man captured the whole army of Syria. Why? Because he had what? He, because he had You're catching up, you're catching up. One more time. Okay. Okay, the reason why he overcame the Syrian army, one man, because he had... Oh, praise God. You will be an overcomer in any crisis when God opens your spiritual eyes and you have... We look at another example of what happened when God told Samuel to pick the next uh, king, choose the next king. Though God gave Samuel insight where to go, go to Bethlehem to find the city. And you know what? God keeps us in suspense. He told Samuel, you go there. Didn't tell him for who. Have you found God doing that? He tests our obedience on the way. He'll tell you to go there if you don't go there, you miss the plot. Samuel obeyed, and then God kept the suspense. I will tell you who the next king is. But what Samuel did, he made a wrong choice. 1 Samuel 16, 6. When they arrived, the family of Jesse arrived, Samuel noticed Eliab and said to himself, Surely... Here before the Lord stands his chosen king. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't, don't be impressed by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. God does not view things the way people do. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, Jesus gave him real-time lesson. He may be a prophet, but we can so miss it when we fix our eyes on what we see rather than the revelation God has for us. He chosen the wrong king and God rebuked him. How important it is for us to pray, Oh God, would you open my spiritual eyes? Help us in our decision making. Help us in where, we, where you want us to go in life. The reason why some of us are stuck for years is because we are looking at life through our physical eyes rather than the spiritual eyes. Closed. 
in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8 to 13, we see how David had an overview of his life from a shepherd boy to becoming a king. I want you to follow carefully and see what the Bible says concerning David's life. So now say this to my servant David, God is prophesying to David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies have said, I took you from the pasture and from your work as a shepherd to make you leader of my people Israel. God knew it. While he was looking after sheep, God says, I got a bigger plan for you. I was with you wherever you went, and I defeated all your enemies before you. Now I will make you as famous as the great men of the earth. I will establish a place for my people Israel and settle them there. They will live there and not be disturbed anymore. Violent men will not oppress them again as they did in the beginning. And during the time when I appointed judges to lead my people Israel, instead, I will give you relief from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you, that he himself will build a dynastic house for you. When the time comes for you to die, I will raise up your descendant, one of your own sons to succeed you, and I will establish his kingdom, and he will build a house for my name, and I will make his dynasty permanent. Can you see, right from a nobody, God walked with David step by step, God made sure that David understood all his success was because God gave him that success. Every victory he won because God was with him. And then says, I've not only got a plan for you in this life, when you are dead, I have a plan and I will fulfill that plan. How many of you believe this morning that God has a similar plan for your life. Put your hands up and shout an amen. amen. Do you believe that? God knows where you came from. He knows where to take you, provide you listen to him. Many of us know where we came from, but we missed where God wants to take us because we have chosen a path contrary to what God has for you. You're still mending, looking after sheep when God has a higher purpose for your life. But you will not see that purpose unless God opens your spiritual eyes. Not it. When David had an understanding of how much God was involved in his life, he said in Psalm 139, verse 6, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So it's too much, too high, too, too vast is God's knowledge. He was in awe of God for how detailed he was in his life. You know, the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. 
as far as the heaven is from the earth, so are his thoughts and his ways towards us. The problem is, we have not yet come to a place to get a hold of God's thoughts, so we keep living out our life based on what we think and what we choose in life. But God has a plan. I feel like asking people this question. When last you did something that didn't make sense to your natural mind? Very rarely. We are so logical, so earthly bound that we're missing heaven. You can say ouch for that one. Heaven is knocking at the door of your life, but you miss it like how Elisha's servant missed it. Standing there, missed it. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, a fam famous verse, common verse. God says, I know the plans I have. What is God saying? He says, look, you don't know it, but I know the plans I have for you. Isn't that true? He knows it. He knows the very plans he has for you. And he gives us a hint saying, these plans are there to prosper you and not harm you, to give you a hope and a future, but then we have already carved out our own hope and our own future. We don't want to let go of it because we can't see what God sees, and therefore, we abandon the higher purpose that God has for our life by settling with our plans and our future. One Corinthians chapter two, verse nine. Worship team, can you please come up? We. Bring this to a close. You know, this has, been the this has been the worst that God gave me when I was on this journey to find out what God had in store for me. And I held on to this verse in the early days of my Christian life. But the Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now, I would pray that. I said, I don't know, Lord, but I ask you, Lord, would you reveal those plans and the purposes for my life? And I remember the time when someone who was prophetic, he's going to come here at the end of uh, this month, He's going to preach this man who prophesied for, over me, and he tends to be prophetic. And he said this. He says, God has called you to a very unique ministry, but he's not revealed what that ministry is. And then after some later years, someone else prophesied and said, God has got a very unique ministry, but I don't know what that ministry is. Later on, this man met me again, and he, he said this in a very uh, 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 dramatic way. He says, you've been like a man that's trying different shoes to see which shoe fits you. In the same way, you're trying different ministries, doing this and doing that, trying to fit in with what you feel comfortable. But God has a unique ministry for you. 
And I'm thinking to myself, what is that unique ministry? Now, you know what? God didn't reveal it to them. You know why? Because God says, no eye has seen, no ears heard what I got in store for you. I said, oh, now I understand it. A bit too late, but I understand it now. When God says, no eye sees, means no eye sees it. But then the second part of that verse says, but the Holy Spirit who searches all things will reveal to you the things that God has for you. And today, I look back at my life. God's given us a very unique ministry. Not that I'm saying it. People come and say, very unique, didn't see anything like this. And the way people are being ministered to and, and, and discipled in this church. Because God had a plan. Thank God I left the Anglican church and stopped with others that have been with that, that gown. What's it? Robe. Ah, cassette, yes. Thank you. Help. So long ago, Mr. You wear that, I'll be standing. Can you imagine me with a robe standing there? You're laughing, even I would laugh. <laughs> I would have probably held it up like that and walked around. Thank God. Heaven has a different perspective on your life. Tell someone, heaven has a different perspective on your life. You may plan one way, but God has a different way. You may think one way, but God has a different way to think. For you to think, to elevate you and not put you down. That's why Jeremiah 29 says, I have planned to prosper you, to give you hope, to give you future. He doesn't, do, he doesn't you know, downgrade you. He lifts you up, lifts you up. That's why... I would like to close saying, for one thing sure, when our spiritual eyes are opened, we will be blessed and we will never lack direction and hope in this world. Because only God can see the inside motives of your heart. He can see where you're going and he has oversight how you will finish. So I trust you're motivated. Motivated enough to start seeking God. Motivated enough to say, God, I lay my plans before you. But because you have, a ho have oversight of my, of my life, I'm trusting you. I'm seeking you. Open my spiritual eyes. And that's why God gives people pictures. That's why God gives people visions. That's why God speaks to them. Because our Christian life is not reading one chapter every morning, saying, saying Psalm 23 at night so you can sleep well, and then say, done with my Christian life. No, that's not Christian life. That's being following a religion. Following a Christian life is to know that God is always on the move and He's working in you and He's working through you. And your life is not yet done until He says it's done. You know, this year God took me by surprise. I didn't see what's coming. But I'm not going to tell you now. Next month, the fifth Sunday of the month, we will have one service, and I want to share with you the journey that God's taken me on and how it's going to uh, involve you lovely people. Are you blessed this morning?